Well, I just remembered that I forgot to tweet that YouTube would be live too, so you might have a smaller audience than usual. Smaller audience, but really better in many ways. And congratulations on making it here, because this is the best thing that will ever happen to you in your whole damn life. And to make it even better, all you need is a cup or a mug or a glass, a tanker, chalice, or stein, a canteen, jug, or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure, the, the dopamine hit of the day. Some people call it sipinosis. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. That is some good hypnosis right there. Can you taste the persuasion? I think you can. I think you can. Well, uh, are you surprised that I'm here? Anybody? Because I uh, did my best to get canceled yesterday. Here I am. Here I am. Now, in case anybody missed it, I was essentially uh, taking a challenge. The challenge was that I could say things that violated the main the uh, mainstream narrative about vaccinations, and even and I tossed in the election of 2016 just to make it extra dangerous. So I violated the narrative. I think maybe harder than anybody's ever violated it. At least according to my viewers, they said I did. I did succeed in violating the narrative. Still here. Still here. Didn't get uh, even demonetized. And I get demonetized for all kinds of stuff. Didn't get demonetized. And did not get a strike. Did not get a warning. Nothing. Nothing. Now, I predicted that that would be the case, despite being a fairly high-profile you know, uh, pundit who talks about stuff in public. Now, how many of you would accept that the test showed something? Uh, you know, it's not science, so you can't make any hard conclusions about it. But would you, but would you say the, the demonstration was useful? I don't know if it conclusive is a little bit too much to, to say. But was it useful? Yeah, Colin, I, I hear you. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll get canceled later. Um, so... Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the concern that I'm getting from both the reasonable critics and the unreasonable ones is that I talk too much about COVID, and on top of that, too much about my own critics. Would you say that's fair? Fair criticism. I, I agree with that completely. But have you seen the news lately? Do you know what the do you know what the the biggest news story is today? It snowed. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all that's happening. The biggest news story today is uh, snowed. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I would like to um, tell you that unfortunately, since I talk about the headlines, uh, I'm a little bit captive to what's going on there, and I would talk a lot less about myself. I hope, if, if something interesting were going on in the world. <laughs> but, but there isn't at the moment. 
I mean, it'll, it'll heat up. I mean, this is going to be a good year. 2022 will be lit for politics. But um, let, me, let me give you one partial defense. When I'm talking about the pandemic, I don't feel like I'm talking about the pandemic. And apparently that's not getting through. Do you know what I mean by that? That all of my pandemic talk, you know, unless I'm just like telling you some new update or something. But when I'm talking about the, you know, the meat of it and how we deal with it, it's not really about the pandemic at all. It should be about how we determine who's hallucinating and who is thinking clearly. That, that's what it's supposed to be about. If I have confused you to make you think that I am either uh, persuading you to do or not do something in the pandemic, none, none of that's happening. None of that is happening, or at least intentionally. I don't have an intention or a, really even a motivation to give you medical advice or, <laughs> or anything like that. So none of that's happening. But uh, there is a fascinating thing that's happening at the moment that does involve me. Uh, I'm in the middle of something that I consider fascinating, but to be honest, I don't know if you will, <laughs> if I can be honest. Uh, everything's more fascinating when it, when it affects you personally. But I believe you will learn something as I talk about this today. So I think you're going to see something that may open your eyes a little bit. And it will look like I'm just defending against my critics. And there's some of that, certainly. But I'm going to go a little deeper and try to teach you something that's uh, seriously useful. Okay? So if you stick with me, you're going to hear some topics you're sick of. And God, I'm sick of them. I am so sick. Uh, I don't even want to hear the word vaccination again for the rest of my life. We're all sick of it. But my promise will be, if you stick with me, I'm going to give you at least one really, really useful tip for discerning what's real and what isn't. So just stay with me, see if I can deliver that, okay? But first, some other things. Um, So a tweet from Michael Sokolow on Twitter. He says, it's interesting how NBC is plugging the, quote, Winter Olympics, (laughs) Uh, and apparently they're uh, not mentioning that it's in Beijing or China. So NBC is maybe, at least allegedly, we don't know what's in their minds, but, and uh, Michael goes on to say, even the graphic they're showing has a big Winter Olympics (laughs) with only a small Beijing (laughs) in the lower corner. Now, have we reached a point where uh, willingly doing business with China is embarrassing? Yes or no? Have we reached the point where an American company doing business with China is literally embarrassing? Yeah. Yeah, we're there. It's literally a corporate embarrassment to do business with China. Now, I feel sorry for NBC because you know they make these deals... Years in advance, I imagine. Probably four years ago, they knew they would handle the Olympics. Maybe they could have seen the signs then, but um, this is going to be, I think, a ratings disaster. Is that, is that a pretty safe um, prediction? Do you, do you think we'll be surprised and the ratings will be sort of normal? I feel like it's going to be, at least in America, I think it's going to be a disaster. We'll see. Um, 
China's got really big problems right now. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen a country with bigger problems. So they've got that default of the big real estate company going on over there. They've got a demographic bomb. They, you know, they're being blamed for the coronavirus. They've got the Uyghurs. So now they've got a giant karma problem. Uyghur, Uyghur karma. If the hashtag Uyghur karma ever gets traction, I, I don't know. Even the government could fall in China. I know that seems really, really unlikely that the entire government could fall, but it could. It could. Uh, Rasmussen is, uh, did a poll, and they were asking people about their opinions of the FBI. And apparently 46% either feel strongly or somewhat uh, agreeing with Roger Stone in the following sentence. Now, this will blow you away a little bit. Um, this will blow you away. This is the United States public, and 46% of them agree with Roger Stone, quote, that a group of politicized thugs at the top of the FBI who are using it, are using it as Biden's personal Gestapo. So the thought that Biden uses the FBI as his personal Gestapo is agreed to somewhat, or, or a lot, by 46% of the public. 46% of the public thinks it's fair to liken the FBI to the Gestapo. How many of you would agree with that? I think all 46% of you are on my live stream right now. <laughs> Pretty wide agreement. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you know, this is exactly the kind of uh, accusation that I usually avoid. Right. Is that fair? <clears throat> maybe, maybe I don't. That may be my own self-image. But uh, I like to stay out of the, this group is like Hitler, and that group is like Hitler, and who's like the Holocaust. I don't like to get in any of that stuff. It's just That's sort of what you argue when you run out of argument. But I find that uh, characterization you know, hyperbolic, of course, but not untrue. <clears throat> You know, it feels like a, a hyperbolic way to say it, hyperbole. Uh, but it isn't too far from what I see. Uh, to me, it does look like Biden has some control over the FBI and that they are doing some of his bidding. And that would look very disturbing. Now, we don't know. <clears throat> we don't know. But maybe. Elizabeth Holmes, who is on trial for... Uh, defrauding people, I guess, got found guilty on uh, several of the charges and looks like she's got some serious jail time or fines coming. And I don't know that there's much to say about this. John Carroll says in the comments, the other 54% don't know what the Gestapo is. (laughs) You're not totally wrong there. Um, uh, You know, I'm only mentioning the the Elizabeth Holmes story because it's in the news. But there's nothing interesting about it, is there? Um, she broke the law. She got caught. She got prosecuted. I think that's the whole story. Now, there is definitely an element to this of, of how in the world did she convince so many people that she was legitimate? I think that Elizabeth Holmes convinced more smart people 
that she was real than just about anybody. How'd she do it? Is it because she's female? (laughs) Now, I don't think it was the sex appeal per se. I didn't see her really selling sex. Whenever I saw her, she was dressed conservatively, etc. I think it's because she is a woman. Not because of the sex part. I don't think necessarily the... You know, any sexual interest is why people believed her. Um, but how many, how many investors do you think would love to have a successful female uh, entrepreneur in their portfolio? I think it was a portfolio decision that they all need a, they need a successful black person that they're funding so they can say they are, which is not a bad impulse, right? You, you want your... Activities to have some correlation with the demographic of the country, on average, on average, not every person every time. Um, But to me, this looks like a uh, gender preference thing, meaning that there were so many people who knew they hadn't invested enough in women's um, startups that they probably were just primed to throw money at her as soon as she looked legitimate. Unfortunately, she wasn't totally legitimate. So that's that whole story. The interesting uh, part of the Epstein, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell story. So apparently when Epstein did a settlement back in 2000, whatever, 2009, uh, he paid half a million dollars to, I guess, uh, Virginia Jeffries accusations. And apparently part of that agreement, because it was a civil lawsuit, is that it would uh, basically keep everybody else quiet and w- they wouldn't be able to sue or something like that. In other words, we, we may have a perfect uh, concealment of the truth. So you've got Epstein, who's dead. You've got Ghislaine Maxwell, whose records are sealed. And now it looks like there won't even be maybe the option for uh, civil settlements because that may have been preempted by other agreements. They, wh- whoever worked on this, it was Dershowitz behind this 2009 thing. Do I have that right? I know Dershowitz was involved with uh, defending Epstein at one point. But this is kind of, kind of brilliant. I, I would say that whoever was behind, if, if somebody was behind it, if this is a cover-up, it's really, really good. <laughs> because it looks like they're covering it up right in front of us, totally getting away with it. Does anybody think they won't get away with it? If, if what we're seeing is exactly what it looks like, which is it looks like a massive cover-up, it looks like it's working, right? Wouldn't you say? And the weird thing is that they're doing it right in front of us. The, I don't think there's anybody who thinks oh, they're playing it transparently or anything. No, they're covering it right in front of us, and there's nothing you can do about it. (laughs) And uh, it's the kind of issue where, because it doesn't affect most of us, except in the the general way that you want criminals to go to jail, but because I don't have any connection to anything in this story, I can watch the powers that be apparently 
covering up horrible you know, activity by famous people. And I just say, huh, well, that's suboptimal. And then I go on with my life. <laughs> the fact that almost nobody else really, really cares about the case allows them to do this right in front of us. <laughs> and we're like, ah, suboptimal. I got other things to worry about. It's kind of amazing. <clears throat> Usually these things at least have a, a little bit of a a little bit of a cover story that, oh no, there's nothing like that going on. Goodness, no, nobody's covering anything up. Here's what's really happening. But this doesn't even have a cover story, does it? <laughs> there's not even a cover story. It's like, no, we're just gonna cover this up. Do 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 do. Uh, Pelosi's probably going to step down as speaker no matter what. And the speculation has begun about who will replace her. Isn't this the same problem that the Democrats have about running a a candidate for president, which is they don't have any talent? (laughs) You don't really notice until they need a leader. Yeah, no bench. You don't really notice until it's like, well, who the hell are they going to run for president? Like, like name a name. Like, who, who would even be, like, a legitimate candidate? And now they speak of the House, same thing. And you look at the names that they're floating, and I'm thinking, do any of them look like they could do what, um, do what Nancy Pelosi did? They don't, they don't really look like they have the weight that she had, if you know what I mean, the, the gravitas or something. Newsom? Mm. Maybe. I think Newsom's too polarizing, but I suppose you could say that about everybody you've heard of. All right, uh, you saw the story about the uh, major interstate in eastern Virginia. So snow closed the road while people were on it, and so it snowed until people couldn't move. And there were people who were stuck on the road for 19 hours. They were in their car on the road. Now, obviously, many of those cars ran out of gas. Um, so, you know, th- and they were stuck, and then there was snow, and then the cars out of gas. And so even um, Senator Tim Kaine was in that. And he, he spent 19 hours on the road. Now, you should read some of the threads of people. There was, there was one by, I think, a news person who was stuck there. It, it's really scary. Now, somebody says, where do you go to the bathroom? I have to think there was a lot of yellow snow by the end of two days because it was sort of like an overnight, almost two days situation. I don't even think it's resolved yet. It's it's not resolved, right? There's some of them still there. But there had to be a lot of yellow snow. Um, Some people didn't bring food. Some did. People ran out of gas. It was amazing. Now, I'd like to answer a question that many of you have asked me. Many times I've been asked the following question. Scott, how can you live in California with all the problems there? Well, I'll tell you the number one reason I live in California. That generally speaking, I do not risk death by walking outdoors. That's it. That, that's my reason. <laughs> I have lots of other reasons, right? But that's the reason I moved here. Because I once uh, had my car break down, I've told this story before, in the middle of the winter, just about now, I think it was February-ish, in my senior year of of college, 
And I was miles from civilization in, in a snowstorm like this one, but I was the only car, and my car broke. And there was no other cars. And I didn't bring a jacket in the middle of the winter. Because <laughs> I was just going to be in my car, and I was in college, right? If you're, you know, if you're 19, well, what was I, 20, I guess? If you're 20 years old, and you're just going from your car to a building, you don't really need a jacket. Until your car breaks down, 25 miles from civilization. So when I read this story, I am super triggered by this, i got to tell you, just personally. Because if you haven't almost died uh, from exposure, you don't quite understand how scary this was. Really, really scary. Do you carry a, black, a jacket or blanket in my car? Yeah, uh, Yes, there is a spare jacket in the back of my car. <laughs> that is correct. And that's in California. But as soon as the weather turns you know, below 70, there's a spare jacket in the back of my car. Yes. And always probably will be. Well, uh, here's the topic that uh, you're sick of hearing about, but I'm going to try to give you some value. So um, those of you who are tired of hearing about this, I'm not going to be offended if you want to do something else. But I am going to try to give you something you haven't seen yet. Okay. Um, you've all heard now about mass formation psychosis, and uh, Dr. Malone talked about it. He's not the creator of the idea, but he, he was popularizing it. And the idea is that we're, we're all so uncertain and confused and scared that our minds are not working correctly. Is that good enough for a summary? That we're all so uh, isolated, scared, and we don't know what's true because the news is so confusing that we're in a state of easily, um, easily being persuaded, but also simply not thinking correctly. Like, we've lost our ability to reason. Does that seem like what we're in? Do, do you feel that we're in that? Now, I've said to it, we're always in it, so it's not really the pandemic. You know, we've been in it since at least the 50s. So that, that's my contribution, is it's not new, but it's definitely here. I'm certainly not questioning whether it exists. I'm just saying it's not new. Right? However, I just tied two things together today that finally made sense to me. I tweeted this morning that there, there are a ton of people who are really mad at me, but their anger seems not to have a reason which they w- are willing to offer. And so finally, in frustration, I tweeted today, can somebody give me an idea why so many people are angry with me. Because I actually don't even know the topic. Is it vaccinations? Is it, is it I said something about the Joe Rogan interviews that were suboptimal? You know, even while saying he's a national treasure? And so I asked the question, <laughs> smoking hot wife jealousy, somebody says. Uh, could be, could be. And so I asked the question, and the answers were, all over the board. They were all over the board. Now, what have I taught you is happening if you ask a question, and you, let's say you ask a question about something and everybody gives you one of two or three standard answers. What, what would you judge about that situation? You would judge that maybe you have a, you have a different opinion and that you know, it's two people with a different opinion. Um, <laughs> but what would be your uh, take 
if you asked 100 people what they were angry about with you, and they all had different reasons, well, what would be the take? They're all angry with me, so it's the same person they're angry about, but their reasons are all different, and it all happened about the same time. How do you explain that? <clears throat> Here's how I explain it. it. When you see that, it's almost a guarantee of, of uh, some kind of a mental phenomenon. right? If people had largely the same complaints about me, I'd say, oh, that's something to look at. Maybe it's me. Or maybe it's them. <clears throat> but if, people's, uh, if people are mad... And the thing that cued me off is that all of their, their uh, criticisms were generic. So the criticisms all fell into a certain categories very reliably. So they would say, you're coping. I don't know what that meant. Like, what was I wrong about? They'd say, accept the L. And I would say, I didn't even know I was competing. What is even the topic I'm accepting the L on? Then there were, you know, another... There, so all these generic things. So, have you put together the two things I'm about to put together for you yet? Who's ahead of me? Who's ahead of me? <laughs> it's a mass formation psychosis. The mass formation psychosis that I've been talking about and Dr. Malone talked about and is all in the news is the reason that people are mad at me. Because if they were mad at me for a specific, let's say, a prediction, or a specific anything, they would just say so. But it's the mass, um, it is the mass formation psychosis that is exactly the reason people are mad, but they don't know why. <laughs> they don't really know why. Now, I saw some people offer reasons that might be explanations. One was... The, the best one I saw is that the, uh, for a lot of the people on the right, which would include a lot of my audience, um, that Joe Rogan is a, quote, lifeboat for their opinion, and I put a hole in the lifeboat. That's actually not bad, because there's something irrational happening. Could be that. Could be that um, I simply disagree with people's opinions, or they think so. Because here's the weirdest part. Almost everybody who's mad at me doesn't disagree with me. Now, if you don't think that's true, I could pick anybody who is my critic and just walk through what is it you think that I think that's different from you, and you wouldn't find anything we disagree on. And yet people are still hopping mad. (laughs) Hopping mad. That is the the mass formation psychosis. Because if people had a good solid reason, they would just tell me, and there would be a similarity to it. Now, the best, the best theory I got that had any meat to it was that people believe I once had a different opinion in which I trusted vaccinations and trusted the companies involved, but that as time has gone by, people say that I've changed my opinion because I realized how wrong I was. Did anybody see like, anything like that happen? For those of you who watched me, have you seen me change my opinion on vaccinations from the start? 
Now, the people on Locals watch me the most. They're, it's a subscription service. And um, almost all of them are saying no. But I did see a yes. So even, even on Locals, somebody's saying yes. But overwhelmingly, the people who watch me the most say my opinion has never changed. But here's where it gets really weird. Right? Here's your first tip for uh, understanding when you're hallucinating and when you have a, a clearer view of the world. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Here, here's your first clip, or your first tip. Let, let's take the, uh, the specific accusation, one of the few that I got, that, that multiple people had, is that I trusted the big pharma companies too much. So that, that's, that's what people are saying about me that I trusted the big pharma companies too much. Now, here's how you can tell if that's a hallucination. Uh, and uh, you can use this technique for other people in different situations. Just for a moment, just for a moment, try to take yourself out of the fight and just like look at it like you're looking down from space. Right? You're not in it. It has nothing to do with it. You're simply looking down from space at this accusation. And the accusation is this. That the guy who's the creator of the Dilbert comic strip, whose 30-year run is almost entirely based on not trusting management and about money distorting things. My entire career is based on that principle that you can't trust management, you can't trust what anybody says, the data is all made up, right? Anybody who follows my comic would be aware of that, that I am the single most vocal skeptic of large companies in the whole fucking world. The whole world. You, you could search the entire world, and you would not find anybody, anybody, who has spent more time saying you shouldn't trust what people in power tell you. Now, do you think that that guy... Again, remember, you're going to pull yourself out. You're going to look at it like you're, you're, it has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. you. Have you come to believe that the person who is most identified with not trusting big companies, and indeed said it directly a thousand times since the beginning of the pandemic publicly, at least a thousand times, you think that that guy has a problem in which he trusted... Big Pharma, literally one of the least trustable entities of all time. Just just ask yourself, does it sound reasonable if you were to take yourself out of it and just say, all right, here's here's the thing. The, The person who is most associated with distrusting big companies is actually one of the most trusting of big companies. Do you think that actually happened? This is, this is the technique, right? To, to ask yourself, is that really, did that happen? If you can say to yourself, yeah, that sounds actually pretty reasonable, well, then go with it. But I'll tell you what it sounds like to me, and of course I'm, I'm in the middle of it, so I'm biased. It sounds to me like somebody saying, you know, I don't think McDonald's sells hamburgers. That's what it sounds like to me. When you say the guy who created Dilbert is too trusting of big organizations, it sounds exactly like 
I don't think McDonald's sells hamburgers. I don't think they do. Meat Comic is 100% behind you? Good to know. I love Meat Comic. It's a good comic. Um, So, I decided I would do a self-audit because uh, wouldn't you agree at this point that it's also still possible that I'm experiencing cognitive dissonance and everybody else in the world is right? Right? (laughs) So I thought I'd do a self-audit. So I started compiling my predictions about the pandemic. And so I started my list. If you would like to participate in that, uh, please remind me or message me on anything you think I got wrong. It has to be a specific prediction. Anything you think I got wrong uh, or anything you think I predicted right, just in case I don't have a uh, full accounting. Uh, Scott, could this be someone trying to damage you? Well, it doesn't really look organized. It just it looks like uh, it looks like a bunch of people who have lost their minds uh, from the mass formation psychosis. So, but I do think it's fair when hundreds of people tell you that you're losing it that you should take that seriously, <laughs> don't you think? You know, at, the, at the same time, I can defend myself and say, oh, this looks like obviously a delusional thing. At the same time, don't you think there's a responsibility on my part to take it seriously, if so many people are saying it, right? So I'm going to do an audit of my own, uh, I guess, sanity, if you will. And so help me out. Tell, tell me what things I predicted wrong uh, or even right. And we'll, we'll see how I did. Just on the pandemic. You don't have to go beyond that. Now, one of the things that people uh, criticized me for was a tweet made before Biden was elected. I said, if Joe Biden got elected, there's a good chance he'll be dead in a year. Now, how many of you think that a tweet that says, if Joe Biden gets elected, there's a good chance you'll be dead in a year, how many took that as uh, literally uh, the Holocaust will, <laughs> will be kicked off in less than a year? And how many took it that way? Because <laughs> if you did, you're not, you're not really a good reader. Here's how you should have taken it, but I, I will accept that it could have been clearer. Right? You should have taken it this way things will get a lot more dangerous, and especially for Republicans. Does that seem fair? That the way you should have interpreted it, you know, because Twitter is all about hyperbole, so yeah, you should be mentally reducing the hyperbole before you interpret it. If it's your first day on Twitter, you're, you're excused. But if you spend any time there, you know that the absolutes are never meant to be absolutes, right? If you say everybody does X, nobody thinks you really mean everybody. Not everybody, everybody. Just lots of people. It's just the way we talk. So, um, I predicted that if Biden got elected, uh, there's a good chance you'd be dead in a year. Crime has spiked. The number of people dead from coronavirus, way more than Trump. Um, We probably have a little more risk with our nuclear adversaries than under Trump, although you could argue that one. Overdoses through the roof. Um, am I leaving anything out? Suicides through the roof. Overdoses, suicides, coronavirus, crime. 
And then you throw on top of that the political prisoners, the January 6th political prisoners. And I think we just have to call them political prisoners at this point. I, I, I don't feel... I don't feel that we, we should assume that they're just part of the justice system. It doesn't look like that to me. And I think that the government has the burden of proof that they are not screwing us. So if you say to me, Scott, can you prove that they're political prisoners? I would say, nope, nope, nor do I need to. Because if you're making it look exactly like they're political prisoners, that is the assumption that the citizens should operate on. It's up to the government to tell us that's not what's happening. And they haven't, right? So the government is guilty until presumed innocent. So January 6th, those are political prisoners until the government makes an argument that they're not. Okay? So that's the operating assumption. Uh, Let's uh, test another theory for... Here's another way to sort out... Uh, Truth from Hallucination. Uh, You all know Robert uh, O'Neill? Does everybody know Robert O'Neill? Rob, I think he goes by. Um, He was a little bit famous for uh, putting a bullet into uh, Osama bin Laden. I think more than one, actually. I think he had some fun with it. But uh, he tweeted today that Twitter had deleted uh, Joe Rogan's interviews with Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough. And Rob asks this, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Well, what would be your answer to uh, Rob's question, which is a very good question? What, why do you think those two doctors got deleted? Now, what are the possibilities? Now, one possibility is political, right? Yeah, one possibility is uh, money, that big pharma pushed the right levers and made it happen, right? So let's, let's consider our possibilities. So uh, one, there is a, uh, a, a very impressive conspiracy in which the pharma companies can actually have da- uh, stuff taken off of social media, maybe because they're big advertisers, something like that. Now, does that seem reasonable? Does it seem like a reasonable possibility that big pharma is getting their critics kicked off of social media. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. It's certainly within the realm of possible, right? Possible. Okay, let's talk about some other possibilities. Um, is it possible that uh, the reason they were, those two doctors were kicked off is that they can't even convince other doctors that they're right? Because I don't think Twitter used its doctor judgment, do you? Do you think there's a, a doctor who works at Twitter who said, yeah, I'm a doctor too. I looked at this stuff and I've judged that as my doctor experience tells me, this is not right. Do you think that happened? Or do you think Twitter uh, got advice from experts? What do you think? Um, I think that you have to ask this question. So Rob O'Neill's question is a good one. Now, we don't know exactly the answer, right? Why did these two doctors get kicked off? That's a good question, right? But the question that also is a good question is, why is it that these two doctors can't convince other doctors they're right? 
but they've done a good job of convincing non-doctors they're right. Would you be concerned about doctors who could convince people who don't know anything but could not convince people who know as much as they know? Does that worry you? Because if they could convince other doctors, then Twitter wouldn't have kicked them off, would they? Do you think if there was a a solid, even a minority, but a solid body of other doctors saying, yeah, you know, I've looked at their argument, and i got to say, that's pretty strong. Now, you might say to me, Scott, 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 Twitter doesn't even check with other doctors. I don't know. But you don't know either, right? I don't know that they do, but you don't know that they don't. It seems kind of obvious that they would, (laughs) especially if somebody asks, why'd you do that? Now, of course, they don't have full transparency, so I guess they they could do anything they want. Um, So that's my... Here's my next uh, advice for sorting out BS from reality. Now, keep in mind that none of the tips I give you for sorting reality from hallucination will be 100%. You got that, right? These are all sort of rule of thumb way. So just as you say follow the money, it predicts almost every time, doesn't it? But it could also be wrong. So would you agree that the, that the rule follow the money is a really good rule of thumb for figuring out what's real, but you know, not every time? You give me that? So I'm going to give you some more like that so that are in the category of follow the money. It doesn't work every time, but it works a lot. And it is, if the expert can't convince other experts and they're, and they're skipping the other experts because they can't convince them and they're going directly to the public, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I'm seeing a counterpoint here. Let's see. I saw a counterpoint about Dr. Malone having people on his side. Where is that? I miss it. Uh, I think there's some counter-argument that uh, Dr. Malone has people on his side. But you would have to limit that to the specific question, wouldn't you? Um, so the question is not, not Dr. Malone good or bad. That's not the question. The question is specific claims that are not in the mainstream. So if, if the doctors have convinced people that their specific claims are true, and there are lots of them, we should be talking about that. right? We shouldn't be talking about there's this one doctor who says something. We should say... There's a whole bunch of doctors, and uh, we'll put some more on, and they'll say the same thing. But why, why do these two doctors get all the invitations? There are no other doctors who agree with, with them? <laughs> yes, you don't even know the claims disputed. That's correct. I don't know all of them. I do know that there is one specific case of Dr. Malone uh, tweeting information that was considered false information about uh, the outcomes of the vaccine. So I think that's what he got kicked off for. My, my understanding is he got kicked off for uh, tweeting data that was misinterpreted or obviously wrong. Now, it's the obvious part that is where we're going to disagree. 
Um, I would, having looked at the debunkers and then looked at the, the data that Dr. Malone tweeted, uh, the debunkers look stronger to me, but could be wrong. Could be wrong. All right, so ask yourself why you would ever uh, agree with doctors who can't convince other doctors to agree with them. I would never do that, by the way. Um, so Arthur is saying, good point, Arthur. Uh, says, Scott, Scott, not working for me because other doctors are afraid of being canceled. Bullshit. Let, let, me, let me call complete and total bullshit. The other doctors are afraid of being canceled. Absolute, complete bullshit. And I'm surprised that you believe that. Let, 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 me, tell you, uh, let, me, let me tell you what the real world looks like. In the real world, the, the people are too different. For every person you find who doesn't want to get canceled, and there'll be lots of them, you're going to find at least one person who likes the attention. You will. You'll find at least one person who likes the attention. Now, the doctors you can trust, cannot trust, are the ones who, who need hospital privileges. Do we all agree on that? If you require hospital privileges, you can't go against you know, the mainstream hospital opinion. You'll get kicked down. But that still leaves a lot of people, right? Retired people, retired doctors. What about the other people who worked on the same team with Dr. Malone? Have you seen all the interviews of the people who have the same experience as Dr. Malone about mRNA technology? Worked with them on the project. Same experience. Have you seen the interviews with them? Why not? Do you think they're all afraid? <laughs> all of them? So this is very similar to the... Um, I mean, you're going to hate this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you remember the uh, uh, fine people thing in Charlottesville? And when you go to debunk it, people will always go down the, what I call the, the well until the last thing they have left is that in a big event like that, nobody could have unknowingly been there without knowing it was a, uh, a Nazi, neo-Nazi event. That's like somebody who's never been born in America or never been here. Any large group of Americans have every opinion. Again, I'm speaking weird absolutes. But if you take 100 Americans just randomly and put them in a room, what do you think? They're going to have two opinions? <laughs> no. They're going to have like 100 opinions. So if you're telling me that doctors are so, are so single-minded that their fear of their career is, is the, the guiding principle that just got all of them, ba- basically the entire industry was so high-minded that they had to do what their I don't know, medical masters told them to do. We don't live in any world like that at all. In our world, people disagree with everything vigorously all the time if they believe it. If they believe it. Have you met any private doctors who agree with them but just don't want to say it? There must be some of those, right? But we don't live in a world where anybody can shut down an entire profession. I don't think that can happen. You Just Google it, Scott. Google what? <laughs> You've got to be a little more specific than just Google it. Now, 
Um, if you say there are, in fact, many doctors who publicly agree with um, Dr. Malone, I'd like to see them on interviews. Get a few more of them. You know, it would be great. Get like three of those doctors, bring them in and say, yeah, here's some claims made. What do you think? I'd, li- I'd watch that. All right. But I, I believe it is uh, not really uh, a good understanding of the world if you believe an entire profession can be hive-minded that easily. Pick any, pick any category of uh, debate in this country. Do we have any category of debate on any topic, from climate change to whatever? <clears throat> Do we have any topic that you can get this many people on one side? Not really. <laughs> you can't get that many people on one side over anything. And, and people will take wild risks that you wouldn't take. Would any of you take the risks that I take with your careers? I, I guess I'm a good test case. You've seen how many risks I take with my career. Would you do that? Well, I'd, somebody says you're rich, but I did it before I was rich. <laughs> I, d- I did get fired from my day job before my, before my uh, Dilbert job took off because I took a big risk. Yeah, no, but even before I had the FU money, you're, you're right about that. Um, oh, here we go. Nathan says... Now, uh, I haven't read Nathan's whole comment, but I'm going to make a prediction that there's something not specific here. Here we go. Uh, Nathan says, people are mad at you, meaning me, because you say things that are not true. Okay, can you give me an example? There won't be one. And give yourself outs. Okay, that's generic. So, so far, this would be a sign of cognitive dissonance because it's that generic thing. But let's see if he goes further. He says, Malone is head of organization consisting of 16,000 doctors that agree with him on COVID issues. It's called the Unity Project. That is a claim which could easily be checked. So let's take, uh, let's say, the specific data that uh, Dr. Malone got kicked off of Twitter. Would anybody like to take a bet that his 16,000 people in his Unity Project uh, disagree with the the data? How how many of you think that his 16,000 people who agree with him in general also agree that the data he he, uh, promoted on Twitter was accurate. Would anybody want to take a bet with me? I'll bet that the majority of the people that you say agree with him would say that the specific data that he got kicked off of Twitter for was not reliable or it had been misinterpreted. Anybody want to take the bet? You don't have to agree with every single subject, yes. But the only things we're talking about with Malone are what he got kicked off of social media for. And I... I I'm going to make a prediction that the people who are on his side don't agree with him on the stuff he got kicked off of Twitter for. Anybody want to take the bet? You'd only need to find one person. (laughs) Just find one other person who thinks that data was accurate. (laughs) I don't think you can. So the problem with Malone is, um, and somebody also said that uh, they said I was not giving Dr. Malone the credit he deserves for his qualifications. In other words, I was underselling his credentials. 
I did the opposite of that. I, I basically drooled all over his credentials as some of the most impressive credentials I've ever seen. That, that's unambiguous. Nobody, nobody is questioning his credentials. That's the one place we're all starting with. Okay, we all agree he has lots of credentials. Now let's talk. So, so you can see that the, the complaints about me are just actually crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, but here's what happens when you separate the, uh, the expert from the criticisms. So Dr. Malone went on Joe Rogan. Sam Harris uh, tweeted a, let's say, a, a criticism of Dr. Malone by Z-Dog. Anybody watching Z-Dog? You can see him on Locals and, and elsewhere. And Z-Dog, who is also an MD, uh, criticized uh, Dr. Malone on a number of specific points and went through them. So now, now you know something, right? So now if you've seen, if you've seen uh, Dr. Malone's full interview and then you looked at uh, Z-Dog's criticism of him, which didn't happen at the same time, right? They happened in different places and times. You would have a pretty good idea because now you've got the pros and you've got the cons, right? How many would agree with that? Because now you've seen both sides. And, and Z-Dog, remember, Z-Dog is a very good communicator and a doctor, so he knows what he's talking about. Well, that didn't work out at all. <laughs> because after Z-Dog did his criticisms, uh, Twitter user Paul Collider, I mention him often, um, went in and criticized the criticisms. And here's the criticisms of the criticisms. Is that in each case, I don't know if it was every case, but in the, the ones noted, Z-Dog had misinterpreted Dr. Malone and had criticized a misinterpretation. So in other words, <laughs> if I hadn't seen Paul Collider's criticism of the criticisms, I, I would have been much more persuaded that Z-Dog was saying something that it was an actual debunk. Now, is Paul Collider correct that Z-Dog misinterpreted Malone? I don't know. <laughs> you, would need a, you would need yet another fact-checker to fact-check Paul Collider, who fact-checked Z-Dog, who fact-checked Malone. None of this is useful information. <laughs> it turns out that as soon as you... Uh, as soon as you separate the claim from the criticism, uh, everything goes to shit. So my problem with the, the Joe Rogan one, one, one interview is that it removes the criticism. And once it's removed, then you're not really sure if you're even talking about the same thing anymore. And then you get into word thinking and who said what, and it's just useless. Yeah, fact-checking is dumb because you usually don't have a, you don't have a reply to the fact-check. Right? That's the problem with fact-checking. So fact-checking is a bad model, better than nothing, but it's a bad model because it separates in time and space the claim from the debunk. They have to happen at the same time. Otherwise, you don't know anything. Right? You need somebody to say, oh, no, no, you're misinterpreting me. I can't defend that because I never said it. So get, get back on my point, and now what's your criticism? So that, that's why it needs to happen at the same time. You need the person who makes the claim to continuously pull the person back into the actual claim. 
Because if you know anything, when people criticize, they make up their own hallucination of what you claim, and then they're off on that. You've got to have the claimer say, nope, stop, never said that, now let's talk about what I did say. Right? That could work. All right, so, um, and then I also uh, tweeted one other uh, critique of Dr. Malone, and um, smart people said, but Scott, that fact check is, like, generic and off the point, and it looks like they're, it looks like the fact check, the way it's written, is weasel words, like, with no credibility whatsoever. And that was actually a reasonable criticism. Now, keep in mind, I didn't tell you the, the fact check was right. I told you you need to see it. You need to see the claim, you need to see the fact check. But I will say that the doctors who did not agree with Dr. Malone, um, they did seem to be weaseling about maybe related topics, like they, like they weren't answering as directly as you think they want, that you wanted them to. But here was my interpretation. One interpretation is you can't trust the fact checkers. And that's a fair interpretation. The other interpretation is that the doctors were aware of all of Malone's claims. And um, if they thought he was saying something that was true, I think they would have addressed it. <laughs> uh, or, or, or false. In other words, the fact that the, the doctors weren't seeing what um, Malone saw does tell you something, even if they didn't address it. Because it's hard to be specific about that stuff. Um, all right. Weird comments going on today. All right, here's your next uh, trick for determining who is hallucinating and who is not. You've heard it before, but every time I apply it to a specific situation, it helps. More examples you see, the better. Generally speaking, generally speaking, Right? I, I will allow that there will be exceptions. Um, Addison says, do you suppose people are tired of you attacking experts without doing the work to understand the issues? Uh, blah, 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 uh, Yes, I believe that, that, that people believe I'm doing that, but I don't think it's happening. In other words, I've asked for a specific claim, and then I say... Well, what have I said about that claim? And I don't have any examples. So it's, what you're saying would, would be right if we were talking about something specific. But nobody can even tell me why they're mad. Like, what do they disagree with? I don't think it's only because I've... Because uh, I don't think I've dismissed any experts. I've said, give me a specific claim, and we'll look at it. I don't, I don't think that that's unreasonable. All right, here's your, your tip. General tip, but I'm going to apply it to this one. If you have four people in a room, one of them says, there's an elephant standing right in front of us. The other three, who are just as smart, just as capable as spotting elephants, are looking in the same room, and it's a little room, and they say, wait, what? I don't see an elephant. There is an elephant right there, right there. I'm looking at it, look at it. And the other three people are like, um, we don't see the elephant. Who is right? It's a generic situation. We're not talking about the pandemic. It's a generic situation. One person sees an elephant. Three do not. They're all equally trained in spotting elephants. And it's, it's a little room. 
It's not in the, I'm not talking about a forest or a jungle. It's like a little room, and you're in there with it. Who's right? Somebody says all of them. You get extra credit for saying all of them. I, I know what you're going at there. Yeah, I always bet on the three, and here's why. Hallucinations are additions to scenes, usually. There could be exceptions. But a hallucination is something added to the scene. You don't have hallucinations of somebody sitting in a room with an elephant who doesn't see it. Right? That, that hallucination just doesn't happen. The hallucination that does happen is, is somebody adding something to a scene. First of all, will, will you accept that as a good generalization? If somebody sees a conspiracy theory, let's say a false one, and the other people can't see it, who's probably right? Assuming that they can see all the same information, right? There's no difference in information. Who's probably right? The ones who can't see it, right? Because hallucinations are positive additions. Dr. Malone may be seeing things that people with the same amount of experience and vision are not seeing. If the other people saw it too, I would say, whoa, they're all experts. You tell me four experts are in the room, they all saw the elephant? There's an elephant in that room. But if four experts walk out of the same room with the same expertise and the same experience, and three of them say, there is no elephant in that room, and one of them says, I see it clear as day, who do you bet on? The three who don't see it or the one who does? Now, keep in mind, the one who does is showing his work. So there's no, like, extra knowledge or anything like that. He's showing his work. It's completely transparent. And three of them don't see it. But one of them does. Somebody says you'd believe the one. I do think that many of you would believe the one. However, the reason that you might believe the one is that you have been fooled and primed by the following model of reality. The people who are the rogue and disagree with the the mainstream sometimes are right, and then they become heroes. I'm an example. For example, when I predicted that Trump would win in 2016, I was a weird, rogue outlier. When I was right, that he won in 2016, I got a lot of attention. Did that make you think that the rogue outlier is right more than wrong? It shouldn't. (laughs) Because the reason reason I got a lot of attention is that the odds of the rogue person being right are really low. That's the entire reason that I did it. Because I knew that if I got it right, you know, it it would boost my credibility. Now, I I was pretty sure he would win for reasons. But... uh, (laughs) But I, I have experience with this. The rogue person is almost always wrong. Almost always. And you have the opposite impression, because when they are right, it's all we talk about. Right? The reason that you know Sully did such a good job of landing that plane in the Hudson River is because it was rare. Right? That's why you heard of it. So your mind... Your mind imagines that rogues are often right. The reality is they're wrong 95% of the time. 
if you just looked at your whole life and all of the rogues who made a claim, 5% of the time, not only are they right, but it changes history. And then you can't get that in your head. My God, that rogue was right and changed history. Those right brothers, those rogue bicycle-making right brothers, <clears throat> they made a plane that nobody said could happen. The rogue, the rogue is always right. Now, the rogue is almost always wrong. So bet against it. Should you have bet against me <laughs> in 2016? What was the smart play? Was the smart play to, to bet on me, or was the smart play to bet on all the experts in the world? The smart play was to bet on the, all the experts in the world. All right. Now, I, I had a very specific angle into it. If you followed that, maybe, maybe that would be different. But in general, don't bet on the rogue. It's a bad bet. All right. Um, so that's your other trick. So here are your tricks for um, not being an expert yourself, but, but, but deducing the quality of the experts. Uh, first, follow the money, of course. But I don't see any specific monetary incentive going on here. Do you? Now, you could argue, I don't know, some doctors are raising their profile or something, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really see the monetary uh, incentive of the rogues, of the rogue doctors. Uh, so I would discount that one in this case. Um, but I would definitely say, why can't they convince people who are um, on their side? Now, you say that they have, and I say there isn't the slightest chance that the people who are even agreeing with them on the general stuff also think that the data that they got kicked off of Twitter for was real. Now, I could be convinced. You just have to show me some other doctors who say this data looks real and... Dr. Malone got kicked off for it. That could, you could do that. I mean, you could convince me. But um, right now, if they can't convince other doctors, and I don't see evidence of it, um, but I could. That could change. And um, I'm not, also not aware of anything that I'm especially disagreeing with the doctor about, except the things he tweeted about data. Um, I, I'm, I'm not through the entire, the entire interview but I've gotten through a lot of the good stuff. I, I will finish it off. See, my problem is that... Uh, you see the problem, right? <laughs> I guess I don't have to say it again. Um, and I would, I would argue that I have never disagreed with Dr. Malone on his expertise. W- would you accept that? Um, I'm, I'm seeing these names. Steve Kirsch, Brett Weinstein, Steve Kirsch, Brett Weinstein. Why, why are you saying that? Uh, why are, Holden, Holden Lou keeps repeating these two names, and why are you doing that? Um, here is a, here's mass formation here. So here's a yo-yo gamer is just says in all caps Scott equals boomer equal disconnected. There's a good comment there. All right, Holden, um, I'm going to ban you for just repeating the same thing over and over again. You are now hidden. I thought you had something to say, but apparently you didn't. Um, Oops, I'm looking at some... I watched it all. Why do you compare yourself to great men? What? (laughs) That's a weird comment. 
Oh, so here's my take on Malone. I don't believe I've ever uh, challenged him on his uh, expertise. Has anybody seen me do that? Has anybody seen me challenge Dr. Malone on his expertise? I don't think I have. Why would I? That'd be dumb. I've, I've only challenged him on my expertise. So I believe that I might be better at him at determining what data looks real from a study based on the fact that he tweeted some stuff that looks pretty sketchy. And um, I think I'm good at determining who is hallucinating and who's not. That's my expertise. Um, I think I'm good at determining BS. That's another part of my expertise. So I have... On one side, we have some, uh, let's say, rules of thumb for determining who's hallucinating, and he falls into pretty much all of them, which doesn't mean doesn't mean I'm right and he's wrong. Uh, one in particular, did he state this in question? The, the one I remember was uh, data that showed that the vaccines were more dangerous for young people than we thought. So give me a fact check on this, but I, I believe that's one of them. But if you looked at the data, it w- he just misread it. Now, is that, the one, um, is that the one where he claimed a lot of myocarditis, but the only people they studied were people who had it? it, it whatever it was, was like a real basic error. So that's one of them I know about. Um, all right. How many of you think that there, some part of the government is trying to train you through the pandemic into um, being easier to control? How, how many of you think that was an explicit, um, an explicit goal of somebody? I'm seeing some yeses, a lot of yeses. Who, who do you think was doing that? Do you think there was a meeting or meetings in which people said, you know, if we can get people to do a bunch of little stuff, like wearing masks, it will be easier to get them to do more stuff? Do you think there was anybody who ever had that conversation? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. Because I think what it is is just a collection of a whole bunch of people doing what they think is right or good for them. I think it's just a whole bunch of self-interest averaged together. I don't think there's any big puppet master who's manipulating us into making us more subservient. Uh, to me, that looks sounds a little crazy, actually. Because I would imagine that there's some person or persons who has that kind of power uh, and that kind of like long-term plan. I mean, if you have a name of a person or persons, I'd consider it, but... There's no evidence of anything like that. Uh, somebody says, not sure, but it's the end result. Is it? Is it? Because that's not what I see. What I see is the public getting increasingly less likely to do what they're told. Am I wrong? To, to me, the, the entire United States is on the verge of revolution. <laughs> if you think that this caused uh, citizens of the United States to be more compliant, I would say we're very compliant in the short run. Because, you know, it's an emergency. Nobody knows what to do. It's like, oh, tell me what to do. I'll do it. In the short run, Americans and everybody else can be very compliant. But we are a very non-compliant country. In fact, you could argue that the entire history of the United States is about (laughs) non-compliance. We're the most non-complying people ever. 
You know, do you think somebody is going to... Well, probably somebody is going to wear a mask even after they're not required, because they did before. Um, but I'm pretty sure we're all just dying to get out of these little limitations. Um, all right. And then, how many of you think that my big problem is my attitude? Or the, the way that I communicate? How many, how many would say that's, that's my big problem? That's the way I communicate. No, 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 really? Oh, that's interesting. I thought, it, I thought that was going to be all yeses. And I'm getting more no's than yeses. Huh. I'm surprised. Because a lot of people are saying that um, the problem is my arrogance. And um, I'm sensitive to that criticism because um, it's, not, it's not the first time I've heard it. <laughs> so you, you have to take it seriously if you hear it more than once. But I'll tell you what it feels like on the inside. On the inside, I think I've been telling you that nobody knows what to do. I told you that I guessed about vaccinations. And nobody's good at predicting. Our leaders probably aren't even going to make a difference. So to me, I've said the opposite of I have the answer and you don't. To me, I said it's unknowable. We're all guessing. Good luck. To me, that sounds the opposite of arrogant. But does it sound arrogant to you? Yeah, I think it is. Here's what I think. I think when I demolish people's arguments, because most people are not good at... Well, let let me give you a setup here. Would you agree that uh, debating and reasoning are learned skills? It takes some natural ability, but do you agree with the, the notion that reasoning and debate are learned skills? Mostly. You know, on top of whatever your intelligence is. Would you agree... That somebody who practices it a lot is going to be better than somebody who doesn't practice. Is that fair? I think it is, because that would be just like everything else, right? Everything you practice. Now, can you think of anybody who's practiced more than me? (laughs) In fact, one of my biggest criticisms is I can't stop practicing, because I'm on Twitter all the time responding to arguments and criticisms. I don't think anybody's practiced more than me, and not just on Twitter for my entire life. Uh, I wrote a book on how to think clearly. So here's my, my take. I think that people who don't um, have the same amount of practice, when, they're, when they encounter somebody who does, it's very triggering. Because our, our opinions would be different Well, I would argue that my opinions are sort of carved out of a lifetime of practice, but if your opinion was just something that you you ginned up on the spot, but you're not really somebody who works on the the technique of debate and rational thought, that it would be very off-putting. It would be very off-putting to see somebody who's experienced at this tell you that you're wrong. So I think some of it is that reaction. There's a big difference between practice and talent. Yes, but for the same amount of talent, practice will be the difference. Um, all right. People don't know the difference between facts and opinions. Weirdly, weirdly, they act like they don't. 
I mean, they do know the difference between facts and opinion, but we all consistently act like we don't. And I think I fall into that, too. Um, Knowing what you're talking about helps, yeah. Uh, All right, interesting. All right, I think... uh, (laughs) <laughs> this question is, can you comment on AOC's sexual frustrations? <laughs> well, I think you mean the comment she made. The Republicans are uh, mad at AOC because they can't date her. So she actually tweeted something like that Republicans really secretly are frustrated because they can't date her. And I thought that was just provocative tweeting, which she's good at. I wouldn't take any of that too seriously. Um What if the hallucination is you thought you heard elephant, but it was really chair? Well, uh, what do you think will be my response when you challenge the analogy? <laughs> if, if there's one thing I could do, like for my career, like the, the one accomplishment would be, I would love if people stop challenging my uh, analogies, like that's going to help. Um, Uh, see. Oh, okay, Addison has a $20 comment here. I love you, but I don't love how you seem to so often disregard individual beliefs as unimportant. Well, I've never done that, uh, or delusion. Uh, never done that. Just some things are delusions and some are not. And a good example is your view of trans athletes in women's sports. No, that's a terrible example. <laughs> that's the worst example you could ever come up with. My view of trans athletes in sports is that sports are broken. It doesn't even have anything to do with trans. I just use the trans topic to make my point that sports themselves are uh, poorly organized for modern life. They're great. I love sports. Just played every sport you can think of. I love, love sports. But in, in the current mode, they have a lot of problems. Uh, so I, I use the trans thing only to attack the inadequacy of sports. What I mean by that is people should be playing with people who are similar ability. You all agree, right? <laughs> people should play with the people of similar ability. 100% of people agree that that would be a good situation. That's all. That's my entire opinion. My entire opinion is people should play with the people who are similar. It doesn't matter, gender or whatever. So if you're telling me that the issue with trans is that they're, they're on a team in which they're demolishing women, I say, right, right, that's, that's my problem. Why would you form a team where one person is, for whatever reason, you know, let, let's say uh, when Lou L. Cinder, that was his name before uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, when he was in high school, do you think they put... I'm just guessing, but do you think they put 14-year-old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the JV team? Or do you think he got bumped up to play with the older people because it would be ridiculous to have somebody 7 foot 4 or whatever he was playing with uh, you know, 14-year-olds, right? So we routinely balance things and say, oh, okay, this is a special case. You know, Yao Ming, you're not with the regular people. You go play with the tall people. All I'm saying is we should just do more of that because it works. 
we should never even be having a conversation about gender. <laughs> now, some of you say, but wait, Scott, that would be unfair to women because they wouldn't get sports scholarships. Exactly. Exactly. Not because there's something wrong with women. <laughs> it's because the sports are broken. Why the hell are we giving anybody a sports scholarship to college? How about don't do that, whether you're male or female? How about no men get them either? <laughs> Wouldn't that make more sense? Do you, I, I went to a college in which I could tell that some of the resources that would have gone to my education had been funneled into the basketball team. How's that good for me? I'm not on the basketball team. <laughs> so while I think the sports are great and entertaining and good for people, etc., uh, the sports themselves just need to be fixed. You need to get the other thing you need to do is get the traveling teams. Just get out of that. Like if there are parents who are dedicating their life to a son or daughter's softball career that isn't even going to get them into college, bad idea. Stop doing it. Just have friendly games among people who are similarly talented and call it a day. The best possible sport you could ever have playing with people of similar talent. It's amazing. All the other stuff, get rid of it. All right, so did that help you? I know a lot of you had a problem with my trans opinions, but the truth is I don't have an opinion about trans. I really don't. I have an opinion about sports. You, you just thought it was an opinion about trans. Uh, <laughs> somebody asks... If you're wearing the one extra coat that I keep in the car, what, what will my hot wife wear? And the answer is, my hot wife will have a coat, and I will freeze to death. Because I often bring an extra uh, jacket to dinner, because females, uh, for whatever reason, don't often dress warm enough if, if it doesn't look good. So I will bring my one extra coat, and then I will freeze to death over dinner, because I have to give up my coat as soon as I sit down. So I started to, uh, uh, oh, Nick says, you could be communicated it poorly. You mean the trans topic? You are correct, but intentionally. <laughs> In that case, I communicated it poorly because I was sort of enjoying all the pushback on the trans stuff uh, with people not quite getting that I was never even, ever, even on that topic. I'm very pro-trans, by the way. Very, very pro-trans under the assumption that why can't anybody do what they want? Why am I telling people what to do? (laughs) It has nothing to do with them or their choices. I just don't want to be in the position of telling people how to think and act. Um, All right. Arguing uh, arguing and reasoning is... Adam Dopamine here saying, uh, arguing and reasoning is like sex. Everyone assumes they're good at it because they like doing it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, bingo. Bingo. Um, I have a... All right. Um, I apologize in advance, or not in advance. I apologize for making this too much about me. I hoped I, hoped I could deliver which was, uh, the topic is me, but I'm, I'm trying to teach you these rules, you know, elephant in the room. If you can't talk to the other experts in it, don't talk to the lay people. Don't have uh, 
one person talking to an expert. You need, you need a proximity. So those are the concepts. Um, but I don't care. Uh, you know, my, role on it, my role in all this is trivial, that, but the interesting part is how people think. Um, Scott, you said the three doctors were not credible because they were not ID'd. I corrected that uh, as I said it because somebody said they were ID'd. <clears throat> right. So you said they were not credible because they were not ID'd, but in fact they were ID'd. But they're, um, the way the story was written it uh, was a little misleading to me. Um, your biggest prediction was that someone would withhold vital information until after the election. 30 days after the election, Pfizer announced the vaccine. Did I make that prediction? Can I, does anybody remember that prediction? That Did, did I ever say that uh, somebody w- would withhold vital information until after the election? Because that doesn't feel like something I would say because it's so obvious. <laughs> I, oh, I did? So somebody says, I did say that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I thought I would not have predicted that because that would just be a statement of the obvious. Right? It's barely a prediction because I think everybody said that. Did I watch Don't Look Up? No, I didn't. Uh... <laughs> Here's a comment. Clot. This is my new nickname, Clot. Your problem is people know you're smart enough to make everything you say manipulative toward a persuasion end. That's true. Yeah, one of my big problems is that uh, if you think people could fool you, you're extra cautious. And <laughs> Dr. Johnson, my, uh, my mascot is back. You all know Dr. Johnson, my mascot? I used to call my trolls trolls, but once they become prominent, they become mascots. Because, like, at a certain level, the troll just becomes part of the entertainment. So, Dr. Johnson, you are promoted to mascot. He asks, why were you so afraid of COVID? How, how does anybody determine who was afraid of what? How would you know that about me? Like, I examine my own mind to see if, you know, anybody else's impression of what I'm thinking is even close. How often do you think it's close? <laughs> Not often. Um, let, let me tell you where my fears were. Uh, I'll try to be as honest. I think I could be honest, completely honest about this. So I told you that when uh, the pandemic first started and I was shouting to close the borders, um, there were smart people telling me that civilization was about to end. Actual civilization. And the argument wasn't that everybody would get infected but that the, the psychological part of it on top of the actual infection would just close everything down. And then civilization would crumble. There would be sort of a, a cyclic... Um, it would build on itself, basically. Now, that was a very real risk. And it scared the f- enemy. All right? Now, you'd have to know, and I'm not going to tell you, but you'd have to know what source I was relying on to know about that risk. Let me just tell you it was a good one. <laughs> it was a good one. Uh, let me tell you how good the source was. Now, it's, you, you won't be able to guess. Um, this is how good my source was that told me that civilization 
might be on the brink of ending. It was the same source that told me the leak probably came from the Wuhan lab before you ever knew there was a lab there. Before you'd ever heard there was a lab in Wuhan, I knew privately that it was the source of the leak. Same source told me civilization could be about ready to end, meaning that there would be military on the streets, basically. And that scared the shit out of me. I'm I'm not going to lie. I don't think I've ever been that afraid. For civilization. And, you know, for myself, of course, and the family. Um, So that part, yes, I was afraid of. But the actual risk of getting the uh, virus, I don't know, I think I was in the normal range. Whatever a normal range is. Like, I I definitely uh, took steps to avoid it. But as I famously tweeted, by the time I'd gotten vaccinated myself, uh, at the time I got vaccinated, uh, any concerns I had sort of dropped to zero. Now, they weren't zero. You know, everybody has risk. But once the risk gets down into the background noise level, like the same risk of getting in your car... Same risk of a heart attack, right? Well, once that risk was down with the rest, I, I didn't really worry about it a lot. So I would say that I was very worried about civilization. I was normal amount of concerned about getting infected with something that could kill me. I was sort of on the, on the border of whether I have a comorbidity or not, age-wise. And, and so I can't say that there was ever a time I made a fear-based decision. Well, except that uh, I made the decision to not let civilization end. <laughs> so I wanted to see what I could do about not keeping, you know, not ending civilization. So I will never know if I made any difference, but I probably was the most prominent voice saying everything would be okay. And I do know who listens to me and who doesn't. Um <laughs> Somebody says arrogant. Well, let me test that. Is it arrogant to say? Is it arrogant to say that I was one of the most prominent voices to say things would be fine? True or not true? I don't know who else was doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a statement of fact. So uh, how much impact it had, I don't know. No way to know. All right, well, I've gone way over my, my limit, and... I think it's time to go. Yes, arrogant. Are we defining arrogant the same? I'm not sure if we're defining that word the same. Wouldn't arrogant uh, suggest that I, uh, I think your opinion is less than my own on this topic? That's what that would mean, right? But I don't think I'm disagreeing with anybody. So I think it's arrogant if you disagree. I don't think it's arrogant if you agree, is it? <laughs> Somebody says you prefer smug. I prefer overconfident. W- will you accept overconfident as a description of my demeanor? Some of you said yes. I- if, you, if you think I seem overconfident, you are accurate, because that's exactly what I'm trying to look like. I recommend it, by the way. 
Being a little bit overconfident is, is exactly the sweet spot. What you don't want is to be exactly accurate or underconfident. And you, won't, you don't want to be too confident, then you get into crazy territory. You, you want to be, find out what is the exact, like, reasonable amount of confidence, and then just 10% more. So, so I'm trying to do that. So I, don't, uh, I accept that as a valid criticism, but not anything I'm going to change. And by the way, the, uh, what you see as my arrogance or overconfidence is part of the reason people come. <laughs> because even, even things that are annoying are attractive, meaning you, uh, attractive in a weird way, like a car accident, you can't look away. So some of it's like a car accident, you can't look away, and I'm completely aware of that. Uh, speaking as if you are the only intelligent person here is not. Have I done that? How many how many of you think that characterizes me? Have I spoke as if I'm the only intelligent person on here? I don't think so. I'm, I'm saying no's and yeses. So apparently there's a difference of agreement. In my opinion, this is the smartest audience on the Internet. Like, literally, I'm, I'm not just buttering you up. I believe that if you've gone through all of these, you know, live streams with me, I'm positive that you're smarter than the average, like a lot. If I don't say that enough, maybe I should. How many of you would agree with that, by the way? Here, give you a chance to compliment yourself. How many of you would agree with the notion that your ability to reason, or at least to detect BS, has been improved by watching my live streams? How many of you think you got something out of it that's a, a life skill? On locals, it's all yeses. On uh, see lots of, okay, let's see. So YouTube just stalled out for a minute here. Yeah, all right, so lots of yeses on YouTube as well, right? And I think that all of that um, that training specifically about spotting illusions is one of the most useful life skills you could ever have. So I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, regardless of what, I don't know what the education level is or whatever um, of the viewers, I don't have a good sense of that, but I would say in terms of just understanding how to analyze a normal situation, you're way above average, way above average, top 20% at least. Uh, I think I just can't find this way to the end here. You know what's happening is... Uh, I just enjoy this interaction, and so uh, there's no school, so I don't have a reason to leave at the moment. All right, that is all for now, though, so I will go talk to you later. Sorry if I seem arrogant. <laughs>